This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to episode 194 of the Laravel News Podcast. It is June 20th, 2023, and we are very happy to have Honey Badger sponsoring the show once again. Thank you so much, Honey Badger. You're amazing. Honey Badger is error tracking and monitoring for all of your Laravel projects. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show, but before then, hello, Mr. Michael Dorinda. How are you, my friend? Hello. I am okay. Uh... Today for you is the winter solstice. Is it really? It is the 21st of June, which means for you, it is anyway, it's the 21st of June, which means for you, it is the shortest day of the year. Mm. And the earth is going to be wobbling back on its axis, the other direction, the axis, the other direction. And soon enough, you're going to have warmer days ahead, my friend. Oh, can't wait. It's uh, it's pretty cold so, today. Pretty windy. Yep. Yep. You are officially in winter time, I think, right now. So you are in winter from now until the... Uh, autumnal equinox when the equator hits the center and then we're back back to us getting short days and you're getting long days that's my favorite so anyway my, my favorite mom every year back. she texts yeah she texts me every year and it's like hey longest day of the year tomorrow or whatever so enjoy <laughs> it then it's gonna be shorter from there so tomorrow fun day should be a fun one nice. hey um should we jump right into it let's do it Okay, releases. We've got none. We've only had patch releases for the last two weeks. And so no releases today, which is okay. That's totally fine. We've got lots of other fun stuff to talk about. So we're going to talk about defining casts in a query. So Aaron Francis talked about this recently in uh, on his Twitter feed. Um, so in case you're newer to Laravel, the ORM that we use is called Eloquent. And inside of Eloquent, you have a property where you can define casts. So you can specify that a column is of a particular type. So date time is a common one, or you can have custom casts, or you can have enum casts, or you can cast things to integers or what have you, all sorts of things. So that when you pull them out of the database, they automatically get cast to those specific types, which is really handy. However, Aaron Francis illustrated this beautifully uh, in his uh, little tweet here. And he says, I heard y'all like types in your ORM, which we do. And what his uh, little tweet was about here, it allows you, Laravel allows you to define these casts at query time. So inside of a regular query, what you can do is you can say select and then do your select statement. And then you can tag onto that with a fluent chain with casts. And then in that side of that with casts, you can pass an array that has the columns and the type to cast it to uh, as an array uh, value, sort of like an associative array, right? Just like you would do on an eloquent model, you can do that using the with casts method on the uh, on an eloquent query. Uh, so if you have a complex SQL query that you want to use, uh, you can still use casts when you're returning from that. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Hmm. So if you want to learn more about casts, you can check out the eloquent attribute casting on the Laravel documentation. Eloquent custom casts. And then, of course, if you haven't yet, you can check out Aaron's MySQL for Developers course, which is free thanks to PlanetScale. That's all I got for you guys. Nice. All right, Mr. Dorinda, on to you. Next up, I think I think we spoke about Lemon Squeezy last time. 
on the podcast and Easy we peasy. talked about Easy Peasy and we talked about this package that Dries Fintz has put together and he has this week happily announced the first stable release of the package for Laravel version 1.0. The package is designed to easily integrate your Laravel application with Lemon Squeezy, which is a software as a service application for payments, tax, and subscriptions for software companies. And as I said, we spoke about this previously. It was well on its way to version 1.0, boasting features such as creating one-off product checkouts, subscribing customers to recurring plans, managing subscription trials, checkout of custom-priced products, and handling incoming webhooks and reacting to events. There is a video that we'll include in the show notes that goes through Lemon Squeezy itself. And getting set up is as easy as setting up your Lemon Squeezy account and then running Composer Require Lemon Squeezy slash Tharavel. You might, based on the description, think, how is this different to Stripe? And the main, the key differentiator, I think, between Stripe and Lemon Squeezy is that Lemon Squeezy acts as a merchant of record. So that if you're selling your services or your products to customers all over the world, because they act as a merchant of record, they handle all the tax implications and all the different calculations for that kind of stuff all over the world. And then they basically pay you a a once-off payment, you know, once a month or once whenever the, the payments are made to your account. And so you don't have to worry about all of the tax stuff that's all handled for you, which is super important if you are selling products and services to people all around the world. Um, so congratulations to Dries. I know he's been working on this for some time and it's now out there for everyone to use in their applications if they're looking for, I suppose, the ease of use and the and the developer friendliness of Stripe with the merchant of record functionality that has previously been seen in Paddle. So definitely check that out. We'll have links to all of it in the show notes. Absolutely. He also at the bottom of this post talks about, you know, if you're, uh, if you're, ever using this it'd be great if uh, you'd help fund development by sponsoring him on GitHub. so he's got a bunch of he's got um 19 sponsors right now his goal is to have 50 50 monthly sponsors and so if you use that or if you use blade ui kit or if you use his vat calculator i mean there's there's a bunch of different stuff that he has on there yeah feel free to drop him a little bit of cash and sponsor Dries. we really much we really appreciate all the work he does in laravel of course uh, but in the open source uh, community as well. Hey, we've got another set of packages and developer tools to talk about here next. So the first one up is called Strict Us. Strict Us. So what this does is this adds strict typing to inline variables in PHP. And so you might ask yourself, how does that work? Because um, you know you don't always have that ability. You, you don't have that ability. It's some, sometimes what I've done in that case is you either have like a new object that you have that then has like some validation in it. So you narrow your types by basically setting up a new, a new type, right. And then validating the value that's going into it. And then you're good from there. But basically what strictest does is instead of you having to have a new object of your own in your code base, every time you want to validate something's an int or a float or whatever, it basically does that for you, right? How do you enforce that something is a float, something is a string, something is an integer, etc.? Well, the way that it does it is essentially has a set of constructors, static constructors for you that you can use. So if, for example, you had something previously before where you'd have like dollar sign total equals 82.50. It's just like some, some float value in there. What you could do now is you could say dollar sign total equals strictest 
double colon float. So again, that static constructor. And then you pass in 8250. And what that will do is that will ensure that the value that's being passed in there is, is a float value. And then it will also, I believe, um, in your IDE type hint, that that total is now going to be a is going to be a float value. I think I think is what it should do, but it gives you a little more confidence around these values that you're passing in that they are in fact going to be uh, what you're specifying them to be. So these inline variables now can be a little bit you know more type safe. So the types that come with it are string, float, integer, boolean, array, object, and class. And in the case that something uh, is passed in that is not one of those values, so if you're saying string and you accidentally pass in something that's not a string, or you say float and you pass in something that's not a float, what it would do is it would throw a strictest type exception. So there you go. That's that's the idea there. So instead of having to, you know, if you instead of having to create your own little um, own value objects and types and things like that, you know, types to handle those yourself. Yeah, exactly. Value objects, exactly. Uh, strictest basically provides some. What are those called? I mean, the, what are those native types? Like called, they're just called. There's a root name for those, right? Yeah, there's like the SPO. Is... Na- is it, it's not. Na- is it native types? Yeah. Is it, I mean, what yeah, is I that? What, am, what, what am I trying to say? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So instead of having to create your own little uh, types for these native types, you can just use strictness. So there you go. Very nice. Okie dokie. All right. Next up, we have a package from Ryan Chandler, which is an Alpine hooks module that is a collection of hooks for use with Alpine JS. The package contains a variety of hooks used to improve the developer experience for common Alpine tasks. At the time of writing, the module has hooks for use hover, which allows you to react to mouse hovering over an element. Use focus, which is the same but for focused and blurred events. Use hash, which updates and reacts to changes to the window.location.hash. And use window size, which returns the window width and height and allows you to react to changes to the window size. Uh, this is installed using npm, so you can npm install at Ryan G Chandler, Ryan G J Chandler slash Alpine dash hooks. But we we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I suppose you could have done this on your own before, right? But these are just really nice. Um, it's convenient, right? It's a convenient way to do this, mm-hmm. um, so that you don't have to write it against yourself, right? But yeah, that's nice. So the the use hash uh, updates and reacts to changes in the window location hash. That's actually really helpful. I've needed that a couple times. So that's really nice. And the window size thing is pretty sweet too. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. And the next up we have punch card. Oh no, I'm taking after you. Next up. That's next, a next up. That's a Michael Dorindaism. Next, next up. up. That's the one. Punch card is object configs for Laravel. A lazy and strict way to configure your Laravel projects. Essentially, what this package does is it replaces your config values, your config arrays with fluent classes, essentially, is the idea. So Hmm. instead of having something like filesystem.php and just having like an array in there that gets returned, you would instead have a object that gets returned from there. And that object will fluently define what values should be in there but then it will at the end of it say to array and then it just converts all of that into what's being expected in that config but i think the big benefits here are that you can have strictly type configurations you can have autocomplete and ides and you can have class-based arguments is the three things that they have here so again let me let me try and put a bow on this for you Instead of having an array value that you have in a config, 
what you return is you return a view config, colon, colon, make, and then you define what these things are using this fluent syntax where you specify the key of the array value that you want. So like in the case of view, config slash view.php, there is a uh, array value in there, a, a key called paths, and then there's a value. And then there's a key called compiled, and there's a value. So instead of having a key and a, a return value, instead what you say is you view, view config make and then arrow paths, that's the key. And then inside the parens of that method, you pass the value. And then again, a next line arrow compiled, that's the key. In the, in the, uh, as the argument for the method, then you say, here's the value. And then at the very end, you say arrow to array. And so it'll take that fluent chain and it will convert it into an array which can then be cached and all the good stuff that you know you would normally expect, but it gives you those additional benefits that I just mentioned, right? So you can uh, you can strictly type those configuration values. You can get auto completion in your IDEs, and then you can use class based arguments. That's it. That's the idea here. And so there is a really good article out there actually that it was inspired by called "What About Config Builders" by Brent Roos, and this is actually a problem that has existed in other languages and i don't know if the i think go was the thing that he was specifically talking about where they have maybe a similar sort of array based configuration and somebody else did the same thing where they said you know what it would be really interesting if we if we did this uh if we if we switched over to using class-based stuff and i think brent roos when he talked about this i think it was in specific to laravel yeah yep it was about laravel and so uh the author of this reached out to him and said hey did you actually build this? And he said, oh, no, no, it was just an idea. I didn't ever build the package. And so uh, this dude, Thomas Vatruba, uh, created Punch Card. So hmm. it's an interesting idea. I don't know. I, I've, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I like the idea because, you know, doing, doing the configuration the way that we do it currently is all string-based. And I know that the Laravel idea plugin for PHP Storm has got some support mm-hmm. for kind of seeing all of these things, but let's face it, the rest of us might end up with having errors with our configuration, even code written by amazing developers. And when those errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger will make you a DevOps hero by combining error uptime and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. And I'll send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. And with the included uptime and cron monitoring, They'll also let you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because as a self-funded business, they answer only to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. We thank Honey Badger for sponsoring the show for a long, long time. You can check them out at honeybadger.io. Get started for the low, low price of $0 a month. Very nice. Thank you, Honey Badger. We've got another package here, and this one is called Resend. Uh, so Resend is a, I just looked up their their deal, and it says email for developers. The best API to reach humans instead of spam folders. Build, test, and deliver transactional emails at scale. So this is a new, you know, this is a new email provider, I suppose. They talk about their first class developer experience and talk about modular webhooks and Etc. 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 And how they have a really good delivery rate. So all that good stuff, very cool. But this is just a package that allows you to integrate with Real Send 
or sorry, not real send, resend. resend. So it's resend for Laravel. It's a package that provides real resend API integration with mailers. So that's what it is. I mean, I could talk through the code example, but I think you understand if you've ever used the mail facade and in, inside of uh, Laravel, which if you're interested in this, you have, then this is what that is. There you go. I mean, I don't think there's literally a whole lot more to say about it. What do you think? No, I think I think it's pretty good. It's, it's like it's another provider. So they have their own yeah. facade that you can use directly to send emails or mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. use Laravel's built-in stuff. Um, I assume with also the notifications and all that kind of stuff. So it acts as another driver, I suppose, for your mail configuration. So that's that's pretty nice. It's always nice to have options when you're Absolutely. looking at this stuff. Yep, for sure, for sure. Next up, we have the Laravel. Next up, we have the Laravel Backup Restore package, there you go. which is a package made with Spassi's Laravel Backup package. Oh, that's a lot of backup. Um, so this is a <laughs> this, this is a package from Stefan... Zweifel, the package provides an artisan command to restore a backup as well as provide some customizable health checks and backup integrity checks. So if you've ever used the Sparsi Laravel backup package, it allows you to sort of configure applications, tells you, you know, I want to keep this many days, this many months, this many years, whatever. And it's responsible for creating the backups themselves and then shipping them off to either local storage or S3 this package itself allows you to then restore those same backups. So rather than having to go and fetch those files yourself and pull them down from S3 and then run the MySQL commands yourself, this gives you an artisan command to do it all for you. Once the backup is restored, the package will also run some health checks to make sure that the backup was successfully restored and checks for things like making sure the database has tables in it. And you can also configure your own checks as well to make sure that you know specific data you're looking for is present after the fact. So you can check out the packages readme for an example of a GitHub action you can use to validate your backup integrity incrementally as well, which is pretty nice. Uh, so I have links to all of that for you in the show notes. Very nice. This is a interesting package here. Uh, so this is called Laravel Tailwind Merge, and it took me a minute to kind of figure out exactly what it's doing here. But let's start with the idea of a Laravel Blade component. So if you're using a Laravel Blade component, one of the things that you can do is you can set a default set of classes that apply to that particular component. So let's say you have a you have a card component and the card has a border and it has a shadow and it's got rounded corners and it's just a little, you know, it's just a little card. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just an outline of a card. But in some cases, you actually want to display a border that is purple, right? Because you're highlighting a particular sort of pricing uh, little thing that's that's contained within a card and you kind of want to highlight it and give it a purple outline and a purple like sort of drop shadow, right? So maybe you have that. Well, in that case, what you would do is you would, uh, when implementing or when when using that component on the page in, your, in, in another blade file, you're going to then pass in the classes that you want to override those default values with, right? The issue is you can end up with these conflicts, right? If you already have a border color and a and a shadow set as a default class in the component, and then you are passing a different now border color and shadow color or something like that, you can end up with these weird conflicts where you might not get exactly what you're expecting. In that in that class, in that component where you define those uh, those default classes, you actually use something called like attributes merge or classes merge or 
can't remember exactly what I think it's attribute classes. I can't remember. And it will it'll sort of take care of smashing all of those those values together, the defaults as well as the ones that you pass in when you're uh, utilizing that component. But this this package introduces this new thing called TW merge, which will essentially handle. It's intelligent enough to know if you have a BG red in your component and you're passing in a BG blue when you're using it, when you're actually implementing it, it's going to be smart enough to know to remove the conflicting one. It's only going to show or it's only going to print out one of those BGs, right? So there's a couple examples from within the package itself uh, where it will know, hey, if you have the BGs and they're different or if you have, you know, a height class and it's different uh, or, you know, whatever it might be, it's going to handle those conflicts for you. Um, and so you don't have to uh, try and do them manually and make sure you have them in the right order and make sure that they're all correct and all that stuff. It's just going to handle doing it for you. So you can learn about the package, get all of these uh, examples in there and sort of maybe get a little bit more clear picture of exactly what I'm talking about. But it's all in the show notes, folks. It's all in the show there notes. There you go. Hopefully that made sense. I don't know. Did that make sense, Michael? I think, I I think the main thing is that, like, I know that the IntelliSense plugin in VS Code will kind of flag if you're using conflicting or incompatible classes together. So the examples in here are like, mm-hmm. if you have block and inline, for example, on the same, you know, it will remove block. So it'll take whatever the last one is. Whatever so, the last one, yep. you know, technically these are all correct. You know, you could have as an element like div class equals block inline PL4 PX6. And the last one that is defined in your class tag will take precedence if there's any conflicts. So what this Tailwind merge package is doing, I think the the best way to kind of explain it is that it will just remove all of the conflicting values and, and take what, you know, what the browser would natively do. So it would say, okay, you've got block and inline inline was defined last we will remove block. You've got PX6 and PL4, you know, PX6 takes precedence over PL4. So it'll remove, you know, the conflicting values. And so I think it just makes it a little bit more clear in your rendered output what is happening. And it allows you in those scenarios mm-hmm. where, you know, the example here is that you've got a a circle component that will have width 10, height 10, rounded full, background red 500. And then when you use that component, what it's doing is it's setting BG blue. So rather than having BG red 500 and BG blue 500, it will kind of look at that and it'll go, okay, well, you only need the BG blue 500 in here. So it'll get rid of, you know, and it handles that hierarchical kind of structure for you. So I don't, I think it makes your output more deterministic and and read, mm-hmm. you know, obviously sending less bytes over the wire and whatever else. I think it's it's implementing the functionality that your browser will already do for you, but it's doing it in a consistent way and handling all that all of that for you. It would kind of be nice if it actually was like a um, what's it like if you could implement it in something like Duster or Lint or, or Pint mm-hmm. or whatever like that, yeah. where it's like, like if it would tell you, like instead of like just rendering it at output, if it would like you know you had something you know you could run. And it'd be like, hey, by the way, here's conflicting classes and this, 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 yeah. and this. Yeah, and that's... I, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, that's actually... I'm pretty sure that the Tal, the Tailwind IntelliSense plugin does do all that kind of stuff for you. So, you know... Oh, there you go. But, okay, but cool. it will tell you that there are conflicting things in there where this is actually just going to remove them on the fly in your I mean, rendered honestly, output. though, does it, though? That's, <laughs> well, it that's the, the question. It's like, I don't actually know IntelliSense would know that between, like, blade components and different things in, like that. I'm not well, sure no, if it would in know that unless they're sitting next yeah, to each other. Yeah, in blade components, it, it won't. And so this is the, you know, the, the extra layer 
where IntelliSense will tell you on that line if you've got conflicting things, whereas this plugin is looking at everything that kind of gets combined together and then doing right, that right. that calculation for compiled. you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that's what I'm saying. It would almost be nice if it was like a sniffer. It was like, hey, by the way, anyway, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Outside the scope of this package, I know it's like, hey, instead of being thankful for what I already built for you, <laughs> just ask me for do something more. That's great. Always. Sorry. Always. <laughs> yeah, always. Okay. You're up, my friend. All right. Bellows. Bellows is a command line utility that will help you to supercharge your Laravel Forge account. So it sits on top of the existing Laravel Forge CLI and it will give you some additional functionality and allows you to run the Bellows launch command to automate and manage your Forge projects, DNS and more. So what Bellows essentially gives you is a command line utility that that brings you like a wizard. So if you were to run Bellows launch, it will step you through picking your application server, picking the domain that you want to do, all of the stuff that like Forge asks you, you know, you know, bit by bit, this will go step by step, prompting you in, in your terminal. What is this? What is the branch? What is the repository? Um, what PHP version are you using? What DNS provider are you using? Do we need to, you know, you can set up configuration files on your local computer. It's like, okay, I always want to deploy with Octane. I always want a database server, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it allows you to configure... You know, if you're using mail providers, it'll allow you to pick the ones that you've already selected there, where you want to send it. It'll make sure that your DNS is set up and, and connected to, you know, pointing to that new server. And it'll tell you, you know, this is all ready to go. So it gets all that, it's kind of that little bit of extra developer experience in terms of getting things set up for you. And it also ha- handles like all of your third-party integrations that you might need to get set up. So, you know, I know every time I set up. That's I, the thing that I think is, yeah. Yeah. The, that's, I think, what I think is kind of like, this, I'm looking at the, here, extra, the extra bit of source is, you know, I know that every time I set up a application for a client, for example, you know, I'm spinning up a new server, I'm installing PHP, I'm installing MySQL, I'm installing Redis, like all of that stuff gets handled by Laravel. But then, oh, I forgot to set up the scheduler, or I forgot to put the horizon daemon in, or, you know, I need to go and configure my mail provider, whoever you're using, whether it's Mailgun or Postmark or um, Resend or whoever, you know, making sure that that's all set up making sure that all of your, if you're using inertia, making sure that all of the inertia stuff is set up and running for SSR and things like that. You don't have to hunt around for config because it's all kind of done for you and it prompts you for all the information. You know, oh, I'm setting up Fathom Analytics. I need an API token from there. Okay, now which site do I want to set up? What do I want to put in there? You know, all of this kind of stuff that, that, that kind of gets done for you. So it'll talk to your DNS provider as part of the deployment. And it'll, you know, handle for the supported DNS providers, it'll handle pointing the domain to the new server, the new IP address uh, for you. If you're using Postmark or Mailgun, it'll handle setting up and verifying your your DNS and all that kind of stuff. So it's got support for Ably, Bugsnag, DigitalOcean databases, Fathom Analytics, Hash IDs, um, Inertia server-side rendering, Laravel website, like all of these different things that are configured as plugins that it can get all up and running for you. So I think it's a... A really handy utility and I, I mean i like to live in the uh in the command line so that's a that's a tick for me definitely definitely check that one out yeah it is actually really nice it's like hey um you know do you want to use your mail gun yeah i do i want to use that okay great we'll set up the env for that how about pusher you want to use pusher yeah okay well which one which one of these mm-hmm. things do you want to use from pusher okay this one over here okay uh do you want to set up sentry Yes, I do. Okay, go ahead and create a new site for me in Sentry and then ask it for a uh, new, I don't remember what they call that, your Sentry DSN, the DSN, DSN number, yeah, yeah. I think. Yep. 
Yep. And it's like, okay, we'll go ahead and grab one of those and pop that in here for you. Okay. What else? Oh, do you have DNS set up for this yet? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you don't. Do you have Cloudflare? Yes, I do. Okay. Go ahead and set up a new address for that in DNS and go ahead and point it at this server. So it just does all that, which is really cool. So pretty neat. Really? Yep. Pretty neat. Pretty cool. They actually do a great job demoing it, like from the. Yeah, their website their, does a much better job than we do. <laughs> It does. Yeah, it does. It does a really good job. So if you go to bellows.dev and you just kind of spend maybe a minute and a half here watching through some of the command line examples that they have, you'll see and be able to understand exactly kind of what's mm-hmm. going on there. Michael, I haven't spent a ton of time looking at these tutorials. I can stumble my way through them uh, or you can do it or we can. I can stumble through one and you can stumble through the next one. Let's do what that. Do Let's do? do some shared stumbling. Okay, so uh, we've got uh, Len Wood. Oh, Len. Len, I'm so sorry. I should have looked at this before. So I got a chance to hang out with Len at uh, PHP Tech in Chicago. Super solid dude. Really nice guy. Super intelligent. Uh, He actually wrote a um, package to manage your Git hooks, I think, in version control, like with your team. It's called Whiskey. It was sort of a joke when we were there. Mm-hmm. Like if it should be whiskey or whiskey. 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 <laughs> uh, and so anyway, I actually did read through this. I, I haven't given it a uh, proper go through. But he's talking about uh, breaking large complicated problems into smaller, easier to manage chunks. In this, um, in this tutorial, we're talking about lifecycle hooks in Laravel, how to build them and why you'd want to. So... In this example, what he's talking about doing is he has a action runner, which defines five or six different actions that he all wants to run in a row. So he says, here's action one, action two, action three, all the way through action six. And in this action runner, he essentially just groups all those actions up and then does a loop over them and runs each one of them. There you go. All fine and dandy. Wonderful. This particular class that he has here then can be run. It can either be sent as a you can dispatch it to the queue as a dispatched job and we'll just loop through each one of those and, and do it. Uh, or you could call it inside of a command, right? So you execute a command from the command line and it will loop over all these and do the same thing. However, uh, in both of these cases, you might want to do something different. So let's say that when you're running it on the queue, if you're running it on the queue, after each one of them is completed, if you're in the queue and you're running them, what you want to do is you want to say, after each one of these actions completes, I want to send a message to a Slack channel. But if I'm in the command line, I don't really care to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to handle it that way. So, you know, one way you could do this is instead of instead of having this class that handles it, you could just kind of pull the all of the jobs into the command or pull them all into the job that's being dispatched and sort of handle it differently there. But that's where this sort of approach comes in where he's talking that he's talking about. So you have these on progress hooks. And essentially what he's doing is he's allowing he's using an on progress method that you can chain on to this job, this action runner job. So you would call new action runner and then you'd call handle or whatever run. But you could define an on progress hook that you want to be run in between each one of these jobs. Now, in the case that you don't find define one, no problem. It's just a no op. But if you do define it, then it will in between each one of the jobs that is each each one of the actions is being executed, it will execute your closure. So you can handle that Slack message that you want to send. The beauty of this is it allows you to be able to do something different based on which context you're executing this class within. So that's kind of the beauty of it. You don't have to pull it out 
of that class and handle the logic individually where you're going to have duplicated code. No, instead what you could do is you just implement this hook where you can say, when I'm done doing this, then fire this one closure. And you do see this in Laravel, a couple of places, right? Where you can pass this closure to say, like I think of, for example, when I'm doing mail testing. So I could say mail assert queued and I could just pass it the name or the class that I want to assert was queued. And that's good. All fine. No problem. That's it. Or as a second argument, I can pass a closure that will accept the mail. And then I can look to see now was the, the email that it sent to this and was the thing that it said to this. Now it's optional. You don't have to do that, but you can pass a closure as a second argument and that will get executed when you do that thing, right? This is sort of the same. It's not, it's not the same, but it's, an, it's the idea there, right? Where you can use these closures and some of these hooks here that are being defined to handle the uh, execution differently based on the particular location in which you are executing it in. In any case, that's the best pass I can give to it. I think it's a cool um, it's a cool pattern and might be something I'd use in the future. So thanks, Len, for writing that one up. Beautiful. A little over two years ago, Steve McDougall wrote a tutorial on how you should work with third-party services in Laravel. And to this oh day... Oh my gosh, was it two years ago? Two years. There's not a chance that was two years ago. No way. COVID times. That does not seem like it was that long COVID ago. COVID times. I remember it. There is... Time Time is meaningless now. Yeah. Um, time dilation. It's all relative. To this day, it is the most visited page on the Steve's website. And however, things have changed over the last two years, as things do, despite the fact that it seems like it was two months ago. And he has decided to approach the topic again. So working with third-party services for a long time, cannot remember when he wasn't. And as a junior developer, he integrated API into other platforms like Joomla, Magento, and WordPress. And now the API mainly integrates into Laravel applications to extend business logic by leaning on other services. So this tutorial is going to describe how Steve typically approaches integrating with an API. And if you've read any of the previous tutorials, read this anyway, because some things have changed and for what he considers to be a good reason. I'm sure that means that there will be more types, more final keywords, more read-only click keywords, and lots of attribute field names in his function calls. But give it a look. He talks about using Saloon, which I think Saloon is... Now that I'm using it for lots and lots of different things, it just makes integrating with different APIs, different third parties, very simple and very consistent. It doesn't matter what you're integrating with or who you're integrating with. The the process of like setting up your connectors and setting up your requests and setting up all of your response handling is the same. You can normalize it everywhere. It makes it really easy. Um, so definitely check all that out. He talks about integrating with um, the PlanetScale API in this particular tutorial. So I will go no further at this time, but you can check all that out and, and report back to us what you think. But that's it. That's all we got. And that brings us to the end of the show, my friends. This was episode 194. Thanks again so much, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. You can find show notes at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 194. Hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Duenda, or at Laravel News. And of course, if you like the show, rate it up in your podcatcher. Of choice, five stars would be much appreciated. Leave us a comment and uh, we'll mention your name on the show. Maybe, probably, we will. I don't think we have that many reviews, do we? Hard to hard to tell because the last I looked at like iTunes reviews, they are geographically. Oh, really? So like if I put a review on the North Meet South podcast in Australia, it will go, it will only show up in Australia. And if you put one in the US, it will only show up in the US. So it's it's a bit tricky to kind of aggregate them. Mm-hmm. But this was a while ago, mm-hmm. a couple of years. It might have changed since then. We've got 50 ratings, it says. 50 ratings. Hmm. Oh, good, I hope. Look. 
Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed, right? I'm going to open it up and find out. Does it tell me the ratings? Like, where do I see the ratings? I'm going to have to go on my phone. Do you think I have to go on my phone to see it? No, I think Eric will have to pull out there. Hold on, guys. Hold on. Everybody, hold. You're not doing anything anyway. Just wait. Hold on. Here we go. I don't know how to leave a review, dude. Literally. (laughs) How am I supposed to leave? This is crazy. We tell everybody to leave a review, but it's like impossible to do so. It's impossible. It's, It's certainly not easy. I'll tell you that. Well, folks, if anybody can figure out how to do a review, you are. There it is. There it is. Oh, look at that. Jeffrey Davidson. I know that guy. February 28th, 2023. I've been listening to this podcast for quite some time. I enjoy keeping up on the LaravelNews.com website and listening to the podcast because it helps to get ideas on uses for things I've learned from the blog posts and tutorials on the site. Thank you, Jeffrey. Great podcast about Laravel and PHP two years ago, four years ago, three years ago. Yeah. So, Jeffrey Davidson. He was the one. All right, folks. Well, hey, that's going to wrap it up. So, until next time, we'll see you, everybody. Bye. Bye.